Welcome to the Champions of Change podcast from Capital One. My name is Sonia Barlow. I'm an award-winning diversity and business coach, motivational speaker, and founder of the LMF Network. And in this series, I'll be chatting with the engineers, managers, and directors who are redefining what it means to be a person in tech. Today's episode is about connecting with our male colleagues and our allies on steps for change. I am joined by Lee Winder and Simon Smith, who are both software engineering managers at Capital One. Thank you so much for joining us. Gender diversity in the workplace is something businesses and organizations have been working towards for decades. For the tech industry in particular, the equal representation of women and men may still have decades worth of work left to go. And as it stands, less than 20% of the tech workforce identify as women. According to research conducted by the LMF network in 2021, less than 50% of us even know what the term ally means. I personally have been in workshops. I have been in conversations where someone has said to me, don't call me an ally. I don't associate with that term. I don't know what that term means. I feel like I'm going to war. Others have said, actually, I'm not an ally, but I'm a mentor. I'm a sponsor. I'm a friend. Isn't that good enough? Misconceptions about allyship include feeling like you have to be senior. Is it the most experienced in the room who actually is the only ally? Getting it right each time and making sure that if you're going to do it, you're going to do it perfect. And unfortunately, being performative. Performative in this instance means, well, if it's pride, you're going to change your LinkedIn cover photo to a rainbow, but actually not check in on your colleagues who are going through that journey themselves. Simon, do you consider yourself an ally? And if so, when was the first time that you really woke up and was like, today, my allyship journey begins? <laughs> um, so, so I guess, do I consider myself an ally? Probably, uh, honestly, probably no, because I feel I've got like a lot of stuff to learn. But I also think that if you asked me that in three or four years, I'd probably say the same thing. Because um, every day, every time we have conversations with things, I'm learning more and more. Um, I think the, the thing that, that jumps out at me as a, as a kind of a right I need to do something now uh, this is this is enough was um funnily enough when I changed jobs for when I when I moved into Capital One um my leaving drinks from my uh, my old role um obviously everyone's had a couple of drinks a couple of glasses of wine and we get talking about various things um and I, I used to work in the travel industry um which um I would quite often sit in high level tech meetings with me being the only man in the room um of, of 30 people um and it just never really occurred to me that there could be any kind of um prejudice or or issues in that sort of environment but sat in the in that pub one night before we left um a number of my colleagues mentioned to me that they've been in, in meetings with some of our other male colleagues and, and they've just felt like they were being ignored or or talked above or um you know, no one make, no one make eye contact. Opinions wouldn't be respected. Um, voices wouldn't be heard, um, and that that kind of got to me for two reasons. So one was that shouldn't really happening, right? That we we should all be standing up and saying something and making sure that that's all fine. But the second thing that really got me was I hadn't really noticed it, um, and that that worried me more than anything else. So when I joined Capital One and, and discovered the kind of the formal ally program uh, and the opportunity to to come in and, and do something. And make a bit of a difference. Um, I was really keen to get to get involved and and, and start to, to well start my journey more than anything else. Start my learning and and hopefully influence others as a result. 
I'm so thankful for your honesty because I don't really think that there's a lot of people out there, especially in this day and age, that would be brave enough to say, I don't consider myself an ally, but I definitely want to unpack your second point because I think there's so much still left to do. And it's not to say that you don't want to do the work. It's the fact that you think you're on this constant learning journey. And so you can't necessarily label yourself that title right now. Whereas I automatically will look at you, given your seniority and given your experience and suggest that you possibly are the best ally that can be. Because as somebody who identifies as a white man, fortunately and unfortunately, the reality is that you have the most social power to create change. Is that something which you are now aware of or is this something that's news to you as well? No, I think, I think that's fair to say. It, it is something I'm aware of and, and particularly as a slightly more senior. So as a manager, as someone who has an influence on hiring practices, those kind of things, there's definitely things I can do in that space to influence it. Um, I guess the, the, my, my, my worry of, <laughs> I, I, I kind of always think that if someone's, someone sits there and shouts, look, look at me, look at me, I'm an ally. Um, they may be just almost doing it to tick a box and for personal personal gain and personal pride. Um, whereas no one's ever going to learn everything. No one's ever going to know everything. And I, I approach every day of, in, in everything with trying to learn new stuff. And, and there's no difference here. And, I, you know, we could learn everything. Uh, you could learn every day till the, till the day you stop, till, till the day you die. And you won't know everything, right? So um, I, I don't think I, it's, it's, a, it's a label that, label might be the wrong word so label i wouldn't necessarily be comfortable saying look at me i've nailed this because mm. uh, i don't think i ever will yeah and that's so interesting lee what about yourself um so from my perspective i mean absolutely not i wouldn't i wouldn't call myself an ally right i don't sort of get up in the morning pull out my ally t-shirt and put it on and say you know job done um i think the reason i sort of come at it from that angle is because being an being an ally is about what you do Right. So, you know, I may in a moment act as an ally to somebody um, or I may act as an ally to a group of people. That doesn't mean that through the act of doing that, that I am now an ally. It just means I acted like one at that moment in time. Um, and so that's the way I sort of approach it. I don't think anyone is ever an ally. It's what they do. It, it's an action and it's a behavior. Um, so all you can ever really do is try and act like one as opposed to declaring that you are one. I think that's so interesting. I mean, if you were to look in the dictionary, absolutely, an ally is a noun. It's a, it's, it's not associated with doing. But when you think about it from a diversity and inclusion perspective, to be an ally is to truly recognise your privilege and strive towards being a better supporter constantly and consistently. And so it is a doing word. It's a verb. It's something which you are doing continuously but to both of your points, you don't necessarily want the badge or the T-shirt. So if I was to send it your way, it's not something that you'd be comfortable wearing. But am I right in thinking that you are every day considering the actions that you're taking and how those are supporting others? I, I would say I try to, mm. right? You know, th there, there are some days where you see something or you sort of look back and say, maybe I could have said something then. Maybe I, maybe I could have um, reacted to that. Um, so I think you sort of approach every day with a mindset that you want to make the workplace or your team or your environment more um, equitable, more inclusive. However, it, you have to be constantly aware of it. And sometimes, and, it, and it's perfectly human nature, you may miss something. 
um, you may you may not notice where you could have you could have said something. Um, so it's definitely the approach that I think I personally like to take, and how I would like to approach it. I'm sure I'm ju- I'm, I just know for a fact I'm not successful at doing it a hundred percent of the time. The most interesting thing is that both of you at the start of the conversation said that you don't know if you are an ally, you don't think you're an ally, and you don't think you're getting it right. But let me tell you that everything you've shared with me so far, to me, I would definitely give you that ally badge. Because what you are doing is you are presenting options, you are giving opportunities, but most importantly, you're listening, even if that's to your own kids to start off with, and saying, okay, I've heard you, and here's an alternative. Here's another way of doing it. And that is really what allyship is. Allyship is about listening and then learning, be that educating yourself or asking the questions and leaning in to say, here's what you've presented. I can support you in down this route or here's another route. Can I help you to do this? And when we think about it within the workplace, predominantly that's what women are asking for. The reasons why there aren't a lot of women in technology is because they aren't presented with the options to even go into tech in the first place. And when they are presented with that option, when they get to interviews or when they get to the actual hiring process, they don't see not just people who look and feel like them, but others who are trying to actually support them in that process. What do you think we can be doing to encourage more women into tech based on the conversation that we've had, Lee? So if if we sort of start right at that beginning... Mm-hmm. When you talk about sort of like the here is a job spec, here is what I'm interested, in, you know, here is what we're looking for. I think I think it's really important. I mean, I, I've seen countless countless job applications where it asks for rock star ninjas or you know any kind of um, over the top description of what someone would be doing, and that that is very gendered. It, okay, it's not used in the terms him. It's not using the terms he, but it, it tends to be very gendered. So, you know, it's more relatable. So I think that the first thing that we've got to do in regards to that is just make sure that we're that we're describing what we're doing in a way that appeals to everybody. You know, I'm, I'm sure you, you've seen the the study that shows men tend to apply for jobs if they if they meet like sixty percent. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a lowish number of the required specs on a job. Um, and I know, I know I'm, I'm in some position, I've definitely applied for jobs where I've looked at it and gone, yeah, I could probably do that and, you know, and, and I'll apply for it. Um, whereas women tend to only do it if they meet, meet all of them. So I think it's really important when we look at that to really look at how we advertise what we're looking for, being very explicit. This is actually what we want. We don't need to make it sound better than it is by adding more requirements, um, making sure that we're using language that are that relates to both men and women and and you know there's so many tools out there that allow people to do that you can literally throw a job spec into a into um a couple of sites and they'll tell you how gendered it is and just doing that i think is a massive massive improvement over what's out there already again as someone who doesn't think you're an ally just the fact that you know that fact puts you Honestly, on like in like the top 25% quartile of men that probably even know that that happens because not everyone is aware of the, of, of the reality that one women are, women tend to apply for jobs in which they feel like they fit at least 90% of the requirements. Most of the time in job descriptions, you have a bajillion requirements and they use words like ninja or dominant or centered or, you know, and, and. And it, it's really difficult when you don't necessarily consider yourself in that in that role in that title. 
and 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 thank you so much for sharing. Simon, what about yourself? What can we be doing within the workplace? Or what is something that you do within the workplace to support your 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 colleagues in their progression? Um well, I mean, I guess one one of the reasons I got into management in the first place um is because I I kind of identified that the thing I enjoy most about my job is um, seeing others achieve and seeing others grow. Uh, and that's kind of, for me, as a key tenant of, of what we do as people leaders within Capital One and with other places I've worked as well. Um, and so it, from, from my perspective, within a, from a localised, with a localised viewpoint, I can, I can do that. And I've got direct kind of influence and, and direction over the people in my team. Um, and, and so there's an awful lot I can do there to help stretch those people towards their, their next roles and to try and encourage and to provide opportunity. And I think that's one of the things that I like particularly about kind of being involved with this, the, the Ally program is that I, I sit in on a lot of sessions where opportunities for others to, to shine and to grow are publicized. And then I can take them to my team and I can take them to other teams uh, that are nearby and just say, look, you know, this is going on, right? This, this is something you, if you want to get involved with, no pressure, but this is something that might be fantastic for you to to do, or to uh, increase your visibility across other teams, or to um, just try something new, something out of your comfort zone. Um, and and that that's one of the things that I, I really value is is having the opportunity to to see those things and to publicise them. Um, and that you know, absolutely, with my team, I've got uh, direction on on their careers and, and which way they go and 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 how the how they progress and their learning. Um, but just sharing those additional kind of non-delivery opportunities, if you like, uh, just to in- improve yourself personally, um, I think is a, is a is a great a great thing we can do as well. Yeah, such great advice, and thank you so much for sharing. A couple of years ago, research came out as a consequence of the Me Too movement. Eighty-five percent of managers who identified as male did not feel comfortable having one-to-one with their female colleagues or taking female colleagues as new recruits. And one of the things about allyship, one of the things about privilege, and one of the reasons why we started this conversation, identifying yourselves as white men, which may not be the most comfortable, is because a lot of people are uncomfortable with the fact that we, and I say we as a a society, refer to white men of a certain demographic as a white man who can help. I've personally been in situations where someone has plain right said to me, "I I don't feel comfortable being referred to as a white man just don't do it. And I'm thinking it's not coming from a place of you are a white man. It's a, actually in the social hierarchy, you have the most amount of social power to create change. And so if I come to you with a problem or a solution, I'm coming to you because I know that if you were to help me, it would probably pass the line far quicker and far smoother than if I was to do it by myself. Is that something that any of you or both of you have ever come across? whilst you've had these conversations about allyship, about support, and about encouraging more women into tech? I think one of the, one of the interesting points is you talk about white males and, and, and kind of the privilege that goes with that, that I think is still quite a, or certainly for the people I talk, it's still quite a new concept, that the, just the fact that you're white and a man makes you privileged. Um, and I think there's there's... There's an element of, of white men have to get involved in solving this problem because the reason that we're looking at it at the moment is because the you know, majority of leadership positions, the majority of execs are white men, and if they're not going to solve this problem and help solve this problem, it's not going to it's not going to change. 
Um, and it's, it's, it's funny, I was talking, I'm not going to say who this was because um, she would kill me. Um, but um, it's funny, I was talking to someone the other day who was applying for a, a, a new job. Um, and she was kind of uh, filling the application for me in, and it was quite, you know, asking things like gender and uh, religion and, and um, background and those kind of things. And she was sort of saying, well, you know, if, I, if, I, if only I could tick these other couple of boxes as well, I'd be much more likely to get the job. And I'm like, that in itself is a, is a very odd thing to <laughs> say. We're not, you know, you're asking for these things to make sure we've got a diverse pipeline and we've got a diverse candidate so we can interview. But fundamentally, you're going to employ the best person for the job, the most capable person for the job, regardless of, of appearance or... Um, or, or anything. Um, and I guess part of that comes from uh, when, when we're doing kind of the hiring process and, and looking at, at people, what we're not saying is we want to over-index on gender or those kind of things. What we're actually saying is we want to remove that inherent privilege that you have as being a white male um, and just to kind of equalize equ- that, that balance, if you like. So it's not tr- looking specifically for people from under underrepresented areas it's just trying to take away that weird step up that we, we have as white males that, that higher higher position that shouldn't be there I and mean, it just has been for so long that it's just become normal and um, so it's challenging that that's the, the issue yeah and I, and I think i think that part to me is really important so obviously in this conversation now we, we've got myself and simon we're both we're both white males um Probably both of a similar age as well, though, you know, not assuming too much there, Simon. Um, but I think it's really important that people don't just assume or don't just think that only white males can be allies in situations. You know, when we talk about privilege, and priv- privilege is an interesting word, but when we talk about privilege, it's, it's the privilege that allows you to act like an ally. It's not the fact that you are white or that you are a male that allows you to act like an ally. So, you know, I've, I've been in, in scenarios where um, I'm, not, I'm, not the minor- uh, I'm not the majority. Um, I'm not the most senior person in the room. So that means that those people who do have the privilege, they may be they may be uh, female, they may be uh, non-white. And I think it's people need to just um, be aware that by looking at what privilege they do have, that they can then see how they can support the people around them. Um, you know, it might be their position in a business, it might be their position in a team. Um, and I think that's really important for people to realise, to really allow us to make a more equitable society business team whichever whichever we're framing it at because everyone has to get involved to do it i mean i think that's a really important message to to get across thank you for that and my one final question for anyone who's listening to their podcast and has gone through the journey which you've gone through which is i don't think i'm an ally i wouldn't label myself as an ally but clearly you're doing all the steps that allies should be doing and more and you're far more considerate in the discussion that we've had, then I predominantly maybe would have assumed when we started the conversation, just based on how you answered the first question, what is the one thing that you think a man can do? I do want to, I do want to kind of mention it being a man because our episode today is about how male colleagues can step up for change. What do you think is the one thing a male colleague can do today to either start their journey as an ally or carry on their journey as an ally? Um, so, I mean, I'd say, and funnily enough, this is probably advice I give. Anytime anyone asks me a question, what's the one thing I should be doing in to do this or to do? 
generally, my, my response to all of it is just be really curious and be really inquisitive. Just listen to what people say back. And if there's any actions, any of those kind of things that you should be doing off the back of that, do it. Um, Lee mentioned earlier on in the conversation, um, it's about what you, allyship is about what you do, not what you are. Um, and so, you know, when we talk about being inquisitive and curious, it's not just about a new tech language. It's not just about a new bit of hardware. It's about people as well and their, their experiences. Everybody's got their own experiences and the, the way to help and, uh, and, and help people grow is to understand them better. Um, I'd say, I'd say from my perspective, I'd say it's hard to do one thing. So I'm, I'm going to say two things if that's okay. Um, and, and, and the reason I sort of come at that is because the first thing people really need to do is to, to really understand what it's like to not be them. Right. You know, so I'm a white male. I've been a white male for 41 years. I know what it's like to be a white male. I've experienced it. I don't know what it's like to be um, a female in tech. I don't know what it's like to be a racial minority, you know, in in society, let alone tech. Um, so that's sort of the first thing is is sort of dive into that sort of, as Simon said, be inquisitive, understand it a little bit. The reason I said I think there's two things there really is that if that if that's what you, if that's all you do and that's a great start, you're not acting like an ally by simply learning. Um, you have you have to do and so the second step is sort of look at how people interact look at how people talk look at how people respond to each other you know are there are there situations where you can just sort of you know it doesn't have to be a big show you know it, it can be very subtle it can be very simple but do something sort of mention something you know when you said this it would have had this impact or when you did that um, you weren't you weren't being inclusive, but to do that you've also got to be able to understand it. So I think it's a two side two sides of two sides of the coin kind of thing. You've got to learn, you've got to understand, but then you've got to sort of act. Which is why I sort of came up with two rather than one. Absolutely. To summarise, there's three steps or three L's to allyship and how we can step up for change. One is to listen. Two is to learn and learn means go out, stay curious, ask the questions, but also use the technology around you to upskill yourself in topics that you're not aware of. And lastly, but most importantly, lean in and carry on. Allyship is not a one-off stop. Hey, I've done it. I've ticked that box. So now I can wear that funky badge on my blazer. Allyship is a continuum of being active, of supporting change and of giving people the opportunities, opening the doors, but equally realizing what privilege and how your identity can support someone in their progression. That's a wrap on this week's episode. There's still a lot of work to do as allies to step up for change, but I hope that we've given you real examples of what you can do today. We hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as we did. And to find out more, visit jobs.capitalone.co.uk.